Thursday edition of Smith and Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. And it's game day for the Toronto Raptors as we are back at it again. Another back-to-back for the Raptors. A very heavy portion of the schedule for Toronto. Something we've discussed quite a bit over the course of this week. The Raptors taking care of business earlier this week in the back-to-back home-at-home against the Brooklyn Nets winning in Brooklyn and then beating the Nets here at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto as well. And the Raptors now roll into what is on paper a set of games that you would think favor the Raptors. That said, we all know how the Pistons have kind of had Toronto's number ever since Dwayne Casey went to Detroit. So can the Raptors exercise the demons tonight against Detroit? We will uh, dive into that over the course of this first hour and uh, find out a whole lot more about... uh, well, what the Raptors' preparations might be for tonight uh, and, again, getting set for tomorrow. And then after that, it's coming in uh, like a bear, the schedule, uh, as they will get an off day before Sunday's game against the Cavs, which starts a six-game road trip that begins in the east and then goes west. So um, it's going to be a grind, to say the least, for the Raptors. So certainly it would uh, be hoove them, I suppose, is perhaps the best way to say it, to get this one get these two, and give yourself a little bit of momentum going into that West Coast trip. I think I hear Jonesy in the background. Are you with me there, Jonesy? I am with you indeed, E. All right. What, do you, what, what kind of importance do you put on these two specifically? And I know you got to take care of one before you worry about the other, but ah, maybe I'm guilty then of looking at them as a pair. Like, I, I guess I'm content with a split because we all know, cliche or otherwise, there are no gimmies in the NBA, but at the same time, ugh, I really think, not only do I want, I think you need both, don't you? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think if you're taking care of business and trying to do trying to do your best and, and, and bounce back, and I, I think it's important that they play well, especially after coming off the, the two wins against Brooklyn and, you know, trying to bounce back and, and leave the, the Charlotte and Atlanta stuff in the rearview mirror. And you do have two of the, well, let's say lesser lights, although you'd never know it by the way Dwayne Casey's Pistons play against uh, the Raptors. Um, I, I, I think you gotta, you got to knock these two off. It is a back-to-back. It's a home back-to-back. We haven't seen very many of those. They're rare except for the last couple of years, the way the schedule's been. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, E. I don't think you look at it and say, oh, you, oh you're going to get or – you have to because you don't play the record. You play those bodies. And for whatever reason, those guys in Detroit seem to understand what it means for Dwayne and, and go a little harder or put a little more juice into it. But if you're Toronto, you, you really, really have to try and take care of these two. And, you know, you, as we always say, e, you can't get two until you get one. So concentrate on tonight first. So that game against the Pistons tonight down at Scotiabank Arena. Uh, Raptors and Pistons go at 7.30, the tip-off of that ball game, And uh, I'm sure that the Raptors will be feeling pretty good going into the ballgame. Jonesy, knowing that, or maybe they won't. Maybe they don't care. Maybe they're not like me. As I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, continue to trumpet this until there's no reason to trumpet it. Guess who lost last night? Oh, Cleveland, Cleveland Cavaliers. Must have been. Yep. Yeah, Eric's on it. Yeah. Cavaliers losing with, by 21 to the Hornets. They are playing with their, uh, without their all-star, Darius Garland. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yep. and that's we we know how important it is to have somebody at the point of attack and the first point of defense on the perimeter that that is is strong. I mean, Fred's been out, and we've been extolling the play of Malachi Flynn the last couple of nights, rightfully so. But if you're if you're weak at the point, the point of attack, the first point of defense, you're going to be in trouble. And that's exactly what's happening to the Cavs right now. Um, and listen, be clear as well. I, I'm, I'm just having fun with this. I know, I know you know that, Jonesy, but if somebody's just tuning I know. in, I think the Cavs have been an incredible story this season. And to your point about Garland, let's not forget they're without Sexton. They're without Garland. They were without Rubio who wasn't going to be around anyways, but dealt him away. I mean, they are hamstrung big time at the point guard position when you're down Sexton and Garland. So I give them all the credit in the world for what they've done this season. I've already eaten my hat and said I was dead wrong about them, as was just about everybody else. Even the most hardcore Cavaliers fan did not anticipate that even still at the, what are we at now, the 62-game mark for them? I, I, I... I challenge you to find one person that felt that the Cavs would be 10 games above 500 and still the fifth seed in the East on March 3rd. Basically, less than six weeks removed from the end of the season. I can't imagine anybody was predicting that. So give them their credit. Give them their flowers for what they've done. But there's no denying they've started to slip. They were as high as three for a brief time. They stayed in 4-5. They are in five still right now. But the Celtics don't appear to be slowing down. Boston playing extremely well. Couple of bumps, I suppose, but still, overall, hottest team in the Eastern Conference, along with the Miami Heat. We'll get to them in a second. Boston 8-2 and two over their last 10. They don't appear to be slipping. They appear to be trying to rise, much like the Raptors. So I, I still believe, Jonesy, if you go in top six, it's Cleveland that you're circling and that you're eyeballing, that's the one. And I'll tell you what, if the Raptors take care of business by the time Sunday's game in Cleveland rolls around, that game was going to be important either way. But that could be the game where you leapfrog them and jump back in to the top six. Yeah, it could be. And, and, but as we said, you can't, to, you can't get to three before you get yep. to one. And, and especially the way Detroit has, has played – Against Toronto, I mean, they. again, I always say it, don't look at the record. Those are living, breathing human beings over there that understand emotions and everything, especially with uh, Dwayne Casey, uh, you know, winning 59 games in Toronto. They, they, they know what that is all about, and they will go out and 15 and 47 aside, they will play hard. And I just, uh, I, you know, they've, they've ha- always had a knack for uh, making it tough on the Raptors with Dwayne. And uh, uh, to be honest, I expect no different tonight. So again, it's 7.30, the tip-off tonight of the Raptors and Pistons down at Scotiabank Arena. Second game back with the fans. And um, it was, what, about 900 shy of a sellout? a couple of nights ago against Brooklyn. So uh, probably we'll take a, a little bit of time to, to maybe get that joint uh, full, completely full again. But still, as I said the other day, at least on the on the radio broadcast, Jonesy, I, I, I got to believe that I understand the hesitation for some folks, but at the same time, even at 18,900 instead of 19,800, that's still a crowd that ranks among the best of the best in the league, and most teams would, would be dying to have just shy of 19,000 people uh, at their ballgame. So... Um, Certainly looking forward to uh, 
being back down there again tonight and uh, hopefully for the uh, fan sake seeing a, another Raptor victory as they try to continue to climb in the standings as we just talked about eyeballing the Cavaliers the Celtics just ahead of them as well uh, and Charlotte winning last night means now that the Hornets are four and a half back of the Raptors the Nets remain three back Atlanta as that 10th seat five full games back and only a game ahead of the Washington Wizards, who are still kind of hanging around, really, in that 11th seed. Toronto, a game and a half behind the Celtics, a game and a half behind the Cavaliers, as um, technically speaking, they are tied in the standings. But uh, because of the mathematics of uh, playing a couple of less games, Cleveland is actually ahead of Boston in the standings at 36-26, and 26, where the Celtics are 37-27. and 27. The interesting thing I want to get to, though, here, Jonesy, with the Pistons in town... I, I, I don't know. Are we guilty of of looking at things with with rose colored glasses in Toronto because we're only seeing Scotty Barnes, and then when we bring up Rookie of the Year, we clearly talk about Evan Mobley? And are we guilty of not giving Cade Cumming, Cunningham his due? Because there's no denying he had a slow start to the year and he was hurt as well, but he has come on real well over the last six, dare I say, even eight weeks. He's played extremely well, but I keep looking at the record and I don't know that I throw him into the Rookie of the Year race. But yesterday, we had Brian Windhorst, ESPN Insider from ESPN, and here's what Wendy had to say about Cunningham and the Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I mean, I think it's tight, especially if the Cavs fall off a little bit. You know, Cade Cunningham is coming on. He had a big-time highlight dunk last night. Cade really wants to win it. I talked to him at All-Star Weekend. He's 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 got the pedal down. I don't know. His team is just so weak. We'll have to see. Um, you know... Oh, that was the end of the clip. I thought I, I thought the yeah. clip dropped. <laughs> Sorry, I was I was here. You were there. I just thought maybe the clip dropped in the middle. I was waiting for Lance to fire it back up again or something. <laughs> so he said all um, he could. Yeah, I guess I guess so. I guess so. Um, listen, I, I'll, I'll throw it over to you, um, but. I think the record plays into it. This is very similar, I think, to the all-star conversations well, we have. Yeah, in a way, though, Eric, because I'll, I'll never forget Damon Stoudemire winning the Rookie of the Year when the Raptors were 21-61 and 61 in their first year. So it's one of those awards. Like when you talk MVP, All-NBA, uh, Sixth Man, Defensive Player of the Year. Generally, those awards go to teams that are doing doing well. The record counts. Now, the record helps in something like Most Improved or Rookie of the Year. The record helps, but it's not necessarily attached to the play. I mean, you know, we we talk about Cade Cunningham and how well he's played recently. And the Pistons, you look at the standings, they're still 15 and 47. But that doesn't mean that it's one of those awards, you know what I mean, where you, you don't – winning helps. You, if your team's winning, it helps. But you're being judged on your own play. And and that's the thing that I argue with people about the MVP. They go, well, you know, he's 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 look at – look at the numbers he's putting up. He's great. Yeah, but his team's in seventh. Like – if he was that great and putting up those numbers, his team would be winning and or they'd be winning more than they are. So to me, that's a little bit of a it's it's an award. The, the rookie of the year where um, I, I think winning helps. 
but it's not the be all and end all. That being said, my ballot would still be, you know, the toss up between Mobley and Barnes. Mobley had the lead. I think Barnes is really coming on. Look at, look at the three of four games he's had since the break. And this is another level of play. This is, you know, heading into the playoffs. And Mobley's team is slipping. Mind you, they have had some injuries, but his team is slipping. And, and as for Cunningham, he's on the uptick, you said, as you said, over the last six, eight weeks. But his team isn't great. So of those three combinations, like, which one is the best? Like, who do you go with right now? And, and I, that's why I think it's probably a one-two race between Barnes and Mobley. Yeah, I... I can't I can't put Cunningham in, in there and I and and that's not to say that I don't think he's going to be a fabulous player and that he isn't a fabulous player already he won't be a future all-star et cetera, et cetera. but I, I I can't put him in there one thing I want to quickly clean up on on both of our behalves I don't know if you've got uh you know one of your windows open on social media and whatnot but uh perhaps we didn't articulate it properly or we we were guilty of uh not using our verbiage our wording properly when we talked about uh, Garland Garland was out for the Cavs and is part of the reason why the Cavs perhaps have slipped of late did return last night so he was in the lineup last night of course for the Cavaliers so a couple of fans that reached out to that so again that's bad for us in terms of articulating the fact that he had been out uh, and part of the reason why perhaps the Cavaliers were slipping but yes indeed he is back and was a part of that game last night in spite of the fact that the Cavaliers went on to lose that one we'll talk more uh, perhaps about the Cavaliers perhaps certainly not perhaps, certainly about the Raptors and Pistons as we move forward in this first hour. But I wanted to also mention before uh, we go back to Detroit and Toronto, Jonesy, the Miami game, uh, Miami and Milwaukee, the battle that we saw last night with the uh, the Bucks ultimately winning 120-119, the final in that one. Giannis with 28 points, 17 rebounds, five assists, a couple of steals, and a block as well. Nine of 20 from the floor, and I keep looking at this number again, 9 of 11 from the free throw line. So not like quite, quite like the 14 of 14 uh, we saw the other night. But Jimmy Butler with a rare, rare, extremely off night in 35 minutes, only six points for Butler on 2 of 14 shooting. And even without Butler's contributions, you get 30 from Hero off the bench, Miami losing by one. And I don't know if that, that one game necessarily is the, the jumping off point, Jonesy, but we keep talking about the Bucks, and we're not the only ones. They've just been sort of going slowly about their business, just sort of hanging around, you yeah. know, four, five, six over the course of the season. And I got to think, six weeks from now when the dust settles, they're going to be four at worst. They're a home playoff team for sure, home court advantage. And at this point, only three back of number one, only a game and a half back of number two. The defending champs are, are quite fine, it seems, with everybody talking about the Bulls and the Heat and the Sixers, and they're just going about their business, doing their thing. And that's real dangerous, I think, for a lot of teams in the East. Yeah, they've been there before. And a lot of people, as you said, a lot of people are talking about uh, Miami and now Philadelphia with the trade and wait till Brooklyn gets healthy and, uh, you know, Chicago's still having a great season. Boston surge, but nobody's talking about Milwaukee. And they're the defending champs. And as you said, I think they're okay with it. And and once you win, and I, I think I first saw this um, probably with the Spurs in the early 2000s, certainly with the Heat, certainly with the Celtics when Doc Rivers' team won and uh, uh, the, the kind of back and forth with, with Kobe's Lakers. Uh, under Phil Jackson, and, I, and I'm seeing it now. 
Once you win and you understand what you have to do, in the words of Dwayne Casey, you can play on Mars. It doesn't matter. You don't necessarily need home court to, I mean, it helps. But when you're a veteran team and you understand what, what to do and what it takes to win, particularly on the road, and how to play and, you know, in terms of looking after the ball and defense and your, your connectivity, uh, uh, you know, at the defensive end of the floor, it doesn't matter where you play. So Milwaukee's one of those teams right now. They're like, yeah, yeah, fourth, third, so, so what? We have to play Miami. doesn't matter where we play them. We'll take them on anywhere. So what? We have mm-hmm. to play Philly. We'll take them on anywhere. So I think that's the quiet confidence that comes with having won a championship. You think they can go back-to-back? Um, well, I mean, the, the other question on the other side of the coin raises its head there. Why can't they? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I see people potentially standing in their way. Miami, Philly. Uh, everybody keeps talking about Brooklyn. Uh, in the West, Golden State, Phoenix. Uh, I'm not sure Memphis experience-wise could get there, but could those four or five teams beat Milwaukee? Yeah. But is Milwaukee afraid? Could they beat those four or five teams? Absolutely. They came back down from 2-0 in the finals. That's only been done a handful of times. So, again, I go back to you know what I said before. They understand what it takes to win. So, yeah, they could go back-to-back. I mean, it's, it's, it's very plausible. Knicks last night lose again, but more importantly, no disrespect to New York, is the flip side of that conversation. Uh, when we look at the team that beat them, the Philadelphia 76ers, 123-108, the final there. And early returns are looking pretty good for Philly in terms of James Harden. Uh, he looks, I don't know if it's fair to say rejuvenated or motivated, because I don't know that he played poorly in Brooklyn by any means, uh, but he certainly has looked good in the Philadelphia 76ers lineup. 8 of 13 last night, 26 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists, Flirting with that triple-double in 36 minutes. Joel Embiid, 27 and 12 points and rebounds as Philly continues to get it done. And, you know, the interesting guy in all that, too, Jonesy, and, and this is where, and, and I'll admit as well, I'm somewhat guilty of this in that when the deal went down, and we talked a lot about this, Daryl Morey loves James Harden, and, and that's the guy he wanted, and he went out and got him. And I felt that the price was maybe a little bit too high when at the last minute, Suddenly we saw that Drummond and Curry were in that deal involving Ben Simmons, let alone the picks and everything else. I saw Sean Marks at the game and briefly talked to him, and I, I, I said it to his face. I said, man, I like that trade for you guys. And he kind of said, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it works out. Hopefully it works out. He said, we just got to get healthy. And I said, yeah, but when you guys do get healthy, look out. The roster you've put together, if it all clicks, and he's like, yeah, fingers crossed, we just got to get healthy. So I like the move from Brooklyn's perspective. I think Maury might have got caught a little bit, kind of just getting real enamored with the guy, and ultimately it cost him. But, but, again, the early returns look good, and I give Maury a ton of credit for the fact that he held on to his young pieces, specifically one, but we could also talk about Thibault as well. But even going back to last year, the rumblings and rumors about Kyle Lowry, and now this year with Ben Simmons, even if you don't like that he gave up Curry and Drummond and all the picks and everything else, he held on to the young pieces, and the biggest one of all, in Maxi. And Maxi with 25 last night, he could be a major benefactor to this Harden pairing uh, with Embiid as well, because he's going to find a lot more shots and a lot more of a role, and he looks like he's every bit the part and ready for it. Yeah, um, 
you know, th that was a guy that people were talking about putting the ball in his hands and making him the point guard and letting him, uh, you know, go to work in the absence of Ben Simmons. And he's been, he's been really good. And, and you're right, with James Harden handling the point and the playmaking, uh, you're going to see, uh, you know, double teams on Harden or Embiid. Uh, the ball swing to Maxi. He's so quick. He's very good at um, he's very good at driving the closeouts. If you come at him with a bad angle or with a bad contain, he's going to get by you, and he's quick enough to do that and get all the way to the basket. So, again, another guy that will benefit from the presence of James Harden. So the uh, 76ers right now sitting as the third seed, a half game back now of the Chicago Bulls. Chicago has dropped two in a row. They are now a game and a half out of number one, and again, only a half game up on the 76ers uh, in the Eastern Conference. We're going to turn our attention back to the Raptors and Pistons. In a few minutes' time, Michael Grange is going to join us as well. But one other game I wanted to mention that is on tap tonight, not necessarily looking at uh, last night's games, but looking ahead to tonight. Um, can we even call it the Battle of L.A. anymore? We'll get Jonesy's thoughts in a moment on the Lakers and Clippers battling at crypto. But here first is LeBron James on, uh, well, I guess the, the state of the Lakers. Until you stump me out, cut my head off, bury me 12 feet under, then I got a chance. So that's my confidence. You know, obviously, you know, at the end of the day, we got to come in and win ball games, and we got to play better. But as long as we got more games to play, um, we still have a chance. So that's my confidence. You know, I hate losing. I feel like poop right now. Um, but tomorrow is a new day, and I'm gonna be prepared and ready for for the Clippers on Thursday. But that's just that's my mindset. That's just who I am. I mean, I, I respect the mindset. Um, it's going to be a battle, though. Seven games below 500. The Lakers sitting in the ninth seed, only a game and a half up on the Pelicans in that 10 spot, four and a half back of the Clippers in eight. Like, I mean, the Clippers, with far less and with way more injuries and issues, are still two games above 500 in that eighth seed. I don't know if they can go on a run and, and, and climb, 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 but they've won four in a row. And they're at least, you know, trying to stay in the thick of things in terms of trying to track down one of those top six spots. So this is still a very important game for them and clearly an important one for the Lakers who have lost three in a row, three and seven over their last ten. And again, Jonesy, seven games below five hundred. It's a train wreck. It is an absolute, unadulterated train wreck in Los Angeles. And, you know, LeBron trying to absolve himself with anything that's going on with the roster, well... Uh, you know, you had a hand in it. And, and uh, you know, he says he wasn't calling out Rob Palinka and management uh, when he talked about Sam Presti last week and, and all of that stuff. Maybe, maybe it was a veiled shot, but, you know, he had a hand in it. And uh, look, I'll say this. As you have said before, E, do I want to face, if I'm phoenix or golden state do i want to get the lakers in the eighth spot and have to try to knock lebron out of the playoffs phoenix again that's t that's a tall order because as long as they got that guy they have a chance uh, but at the same time you are what your record says you are if you're the lakers you you are seven games under 500 and and only three losses in front of the 11th place team 
two and a half games in front of the 11th place team for in terms of missing the playoffs totally. And they, two, year, two seasons after winning the championship, you are destined for the play-in tournament for the second straight year. Not what L.A. fans and, and that organization uh, has in terms of expectations. All right, last one for you before we step aside for a couple of minutes. We have to give a shout-out to our guy. He's one of our guys. He's joined us before. In fact, we'll try and track him down maybe on, on, on tomorrow's show if we can get him. I'm sure he's, uh, he's busy. Maybe he's busy icing his hand and resting that elbow because the last couple of nights have been huge for Canadian and uh, GTA native Nick Stauskas. 100 points over his last two games playing for Grand Rapids in the G League. 57 a couple of nights ago and followed that up with a cool 43 on 16 of 21 last night. Jonesy, 100 points. Now, Grant, I know, I know Wilt did it in one game. I know Kobe had 81 and 1, but 57 followed by 43? I don't care what league you're playing in or, or, or what level you're at. That is an outstanding accomplishment, and I've got to assume for a guy with NBA experience, international experience, Putting up those types of numbers, somebody in the NBA is going to be taking notice. If they're not already, they're, they're definitely on notice now. And I'd be shocked if we don't see him signing a 10-day or getting another sniff at the league at some point very soon. Yeah. Um, shooting in the NBA is like pitching in baseball. You can never have too much. And especially now with the way the game's being played, uh, you know, paint touches. I mean, you just look at the Toronto Raptors. Drive, kick, swing. If it doesn't work, keep going till it does. Drive, kick, swing, drive, kick, boom. Drive, kick, boom. Like, it, and we've seen it before. Guy gets into the paint, coming right down the middle of the lane, goes airborne, and he's a foot from a layup, and he zips it into the corner, and somebody gets an open three. And there's part of me that says, oh, take the layup until the three goes down. And you go, oh, nice pass. And, and a guy like Nick Stauskas that can get his feet set, spot up, and knock down threes, somebody's going to take a look at him. He will be valuable, if nothing else, just to put on the floor. And he's a, he's a valuable decoy. You can't leave him. You can't help off him. And that spaces the floor and creates opportunities for everybody else. I don't know. You, you tell me if, if if I'm wrong here, Jones. If you agree or not. Two, actually, two things. One, and I mean this legit. I'm not. I'm not even trying to poke fun or, or whatever. I, I I legit mean this. The Los Angeles Lakers could use him. Yeah. Like for a guy like LeBron James, what have we said about LeBron a bunch of times in the past? And what's been proven true? Surround LeBron with shooters, and that's when he's had his most success. Like give him options because you know when LeBron is that freight train coming through the lane, even at 37 years old, you can't stop that dude. As you just talked about, Jones, in the NBA, especially with a team like the Lakers, drive and kick, defenders have to respect LeBron when he gets either a full seam ahead of him or when he's trying to get down into the post. You're going to be throwing two bodies at him. So if he can kick out to a guy that buried nine triples last night and a guy that's been a proven shooter in, in Stauskas, I think absolutely, absolutely he'd be a great fit in L.A. But I was going to make this comparison. This is where I wanted you to tell me if, if I'm off on this one. And I don't mean this as a, as a criticism. I just mean it as a comparison to how difficult it can be to get into the league and then stay in the league. Tell me what the difference is between Nick Stauskas and Matt Thomas. 
like, and again, I don't mean this as, as criticism of Matt Thomas. No, no. I, I, Matt the, Thomas is like me. is 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 he any better of a defender than Nick Stauskas? He's not any taller. Is he a better ball handler? Is he a better uh, guard in terms of uh, you know the passes and and and, and setting guys up? I, I mean, I guess we could argue that, but I think one guy's in the league, one guy isn't. One guy was in the league, one guy now is, and that's to me the fine line trying to make it into this league in such a tight, 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 hotly contested sport. And again, I know COVID changed things a little bit, stretched out the rosters a little bit. But for the most part, how many times have we mentioned the roster turnover year to year? Just from the draft alone, 30 guys in the first round, maybe 5 or 10 from the second. Perhaps you get like 30, 35 total that come in. That's, we're, we're talking about nearly 10% turnover just on the draft alone every single year. Absolutely. And, and I, I was thinking about this, E. What's the difference between Nick and Matt? Nothing in that. And I, and I know you weren't trying to be disparaging or demeaning or in any way. And I, it, it's a good question. The difference is Matt comes in as a second rounder or an undrafted guy, and he's cheaper. He's cheaper. Um, you know, Nick probably commands some kinds of veterans minimum, depending on uh, in the CBA. I don't remember how much service he has. And, you know, Nick has been other teams look and say, well, he is what he is. And he's been given a shot in these, I think Nick's played for seven teams in the NBA, six teams. Maybe we could have. I'd have to look it up. I got to look it up up. for sure. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, you know, the useless information that they always say is in my head when I think about it. Uh, Sacramento, Philadelphia, like I I went through the teams and I, I, I counted six. I'm not sure if I missed one in there, but. That's the difference. People like, and I remember Jose Calderon saying that to us. Once they pin a label on you, it's really hard to shake it in the NBA. If you're labeled as a bad defender, like you never get a chance to be a good defender, and referees officiate you as a bad defender, or you know, if you're if you're if you're an offensive player, you're always considered an offensive player, and you get those calls, and you like all of those things. So maybe people are looking at Nick and saying, well. He's had his chance with six teams, and that's, you know, it, it, it's not for us, even though he looks good. And that's where I think you have to break the mindset. In a copycat league, you have to be um, maybe not necessarily innovative, but take your own initiative and do your own evaluation to see if it fits for you. So the bottom line answer to your question, Eric, is no, there isn't a difference. And mm-hmm. one guy might come, one guy's on the come up, like, hey, man, see this guy, Matt Thomas? Yeah, Iowa State, where'd he come from? Blah, blah, blah. Whereas you look at a shooter on the other side, you go, Nick Stauskas, and they go, ah, he's been around. You know, he, if he was any good, he would have made it already. Like, those are the kinds of thoughts. And I'm not saying they're valid or justified or even correct, but some people will think like that. And I really hope Nick gets another shot at it. I really do. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly agree with that as well. Six teams, by the way. Uh, for Nick Stauskas, Philadelphia, Sacramento, Portland, Brooklyn, Cleveland, and Miami. All right, let's step aside for the break, turn our attention back to the Raptors, and uh, get you set for the Pistons and Raptors down at Scotiabank Arena tonight, 7.30, the tip-off of that ball game, and we'll discuss it with our colleague Michael Grange when we continue on Smith & Jones. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate, and review, download, and share. 
as well. Raptors getting set for the Pistons tonight. 7.30 tip-off at Scotiabank Arena. The Pistons uh, rolling into this ball game, sitting second last in the Eastern Conference, only a half game out of the basement with the Magic sitting down at the bottom at 15-48, and 48, the Pistons 15-47, and 47, and the Raptors will see both of those teams over the next two nights, Detroit tonight and Orlando tomorrow, to talk about tonight's game and maybe touch on both games in general. Our colleague from Sportsnet, sportsnet.ca, you hear him all over the radio as well, Michael Grange. Grange, thanks for the time today. Always a pleasure. Uh, Michael, this game tonight, uh, what do you do if you're the Raptors to uh, finally come up with the Dwayne Casey kryptonite? Because he has had Toronto's number, no doubt, since going to Detroit. they got to play really hard. I think um, one thing they've been a little bit guilty of at times, I think, against Detroit is, is they haven't matched the intensity and the effort that uh, the Pistons come with. Why the Pistons do that? I mean, you know, why does Isaiah Stewart or Sadiq Bey have, you know, why would they raise their game playing against Toronto on behalf of Dwayne Casey? I don't know. But um, it does seem to happen. And, um, yeah, I think if you, ta- if you take this Pistons team lightly, they're playing pretty well right now. Uh, though that record could be 9-3 and three in a heartbeat. Michael. You're right. I mean, you, you can't play the record. You have to play. Uh, you have to play the team. Um, and and they played the last couple without Fred VanVleet. Malachi Flynn has played really well, and and we all have heard Nick's line about, you know, nobody plays well every night. And instead of giving me, you know, one night out of five that's good, or two nights out of five, he says I need three or four. Um, how much do you look at? A guy like Flynn, who's been really good in, in the last couple of games, and, and Scotty, who's been really good in, in three of the four since the break, and say, maybe our young guys can do some of this in terms of the energy and, and the spark against their young team that's playing hard. And we won't, we won't look at this, uh, let's take it for granted, they've only got 15 wins all year type of attitude. Well, they're going to get the chance. I mean, we'll see what happens with... Uh... And Obi and, and and Fred, if they're going to play, they're listed questionable. I would suspect even if they do play, I can't see Flynn not getting a solid chunk of minutes, basically the way he's played the last two games. Um, and there's a pretty clear message that you know Nick will give minutes to people who are going to play at an intensity he's he's looking for. And I think on an encouraging note, Jonesy. As much as this bench has been pretty uh, lackluster for most of the year, I think they are carving out a little bit of an identity lately. Um, you know, Boucher has been increasingly solid. I think Achua, as we've seen, has been really good since the break. And even before that, I think he was showing some signs. And we'll see. Like if, if, if let's say, for example, Fred VanVleet does end up uh, returning to the lineup tonight, um, does... Nick try to create a little bit of a bench unit and give a solid, you know, eight to ten minutes each half with Flynn running a second unit. And can that be a spark not only against the Pistons but but ongoing? And and I think if going into the season, that's sort of what I thought might have happened with this group. I thought there was an opportunity to have, you know, a consistent maybe five man bench unit that soaked up some minutes and and played with a certain style and identity. And it and it's kind of it just never happened for a bunch of reasons, but, you know, never say never. 
The last uh, personnel report we had for the Raptors was yesterday. We'll get another update this afternoon. But again, uh, OG Ananobi with the right finger fracture and Fred Van Vliet, right knee soreness, questionable for tonight. Uh, DJ Wilson with the left knee soreness is out. Uh, Toronto did announce about 35 minutes ago, no surprise by any means. Delano Banton, Isaac Bonga, and Sfima Hailuk recalled uh, from Raptors 905 after playing last night. Raptors and Pistons at 7.30 tonight down at Scotiabank Arena. We're chatting with Michael Grange from Sportsnet. Michael, um, you're talking about that second unit and the play of Precious Achua. How much of a key cog can this guy be? Because it seems like as, as the season's gone on as well, I feel at least, I don't know if you guys agree, I think he's guilty of getting some sort of sticky fingers sometimes, and, and there's not a shot that he's has met yet that he doesn't like. But at the same time, he seems to be making better decisions. And certainly, even when he keeps it himself, He's making more shots. Even from the perimeter, we're starting to see him you know, increase his range a little bit and doing the dirty work on both ends on the glass as well. Starting to see more and more, I think, of, of the type of player that Masai Ujiri thought he was getting in making that deal with Kyle Lowry. Yeah, he's a really interesting player. I mean, you know, I've talked to, I was saying this the other night, like I was talking to somebody on the with the Raptors, and, and, you know, if you spend any time watching him pregame, go through his workout, and... Um, you think you're seeing the second coming. I mean, I mean the way he moves, the way he can handle the ball at his size, the quickness changing direction, I think I would say the fundamentals or the mechanics of his shooting, um, it's just a really, really spectacular thing to see. And, you know, and then again, this, these are my words, right? Like this is from within the organization. It's like, and then the game starts, right? And so... Uh, we've all seen it, and, and the question is, does he have, for example, does he have bad hands, or is he just like kind of a half-beat slow in terms of reading the game and, and you know his level of calmness versus anxiety? Is that why he fumbles some balls here and there? And is that why you know, when he's in tight situations around the rim, does he kind of force shots where he'd be better off kind of you know, passing out and resetting and those kinds of things? Um, we've seen the last handful of games that's i'm just looking at that 10 game sample here you know all of a sudden he's shooting 50 percent from the field he's shooting 45 percent from three um you know like so as he gets more comfortable and maybe his role gets better defined um the anxiety comes down a little bit he gets more comfortable all of a sudden he catches the ball a little cleaner all of a sudden his footwork's a little tidier um and i think that's what if you're projecting ahead i think that's what you have to you have to look at that and be very encouraged and then the inside of it that we don't really get privy to is what is his internal commitment to improvement what is his um professional consistency and i think if 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 those things are rated positively in other words if he's a guy who wants to come in to do his work who's kind of humble and taking uh instruction and has a kind of long-term view of his own improvement, you know, you got to bet on that, right? Because the the athletic tools, um, and then, we, you know, we haven't even touched on his defense, which I think is quite ahead of his offense, um, is a really, really intriguing package. Michael, um, you put it well, and I'm and, and, and in, this, in keeping with the gambling theme, I'm willing to bet on that. Because I saw a kid who came from Miami who was – well, in the Pat Riley, well, Eric Spolster, Pat Riley system was kind of put in a box. Here's what we want you to do. Um, and, and they may not admit this, but, you know, he takes the ball on the rebound and he starts going 
bringing it up the floor and getting going. And you could just see a coach going, pass it. No, 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 pass it. And I've never known Nick Nurse to take a guy out of the game for missing a shot. You play, you don't play defense. You miss an assignment, you're coming out. But for taking a shot, um, you know, he's, he's, he's going to foster that confidence. And, I, and my analogy is, this is why I'm willing to bet on it. I see Precious as a kid who came here and had all suddenly went from being in a box to having all this freedom. And now he's realizing some of the stuff that was really good in the freedom, I don't need to do that all the time. It's great, but it's not, it's not as eye-catching or appealing as it was before. And I think he's paring his game down and consolidating it. And I think that's why you're, to me, that's why you're seeing him improve. And it may be to, due to some of the other things you talk about, his internal commitment and, and seeing the growth and the improvement while concentrating on, in Miami, they gave him one thing. In Toronto, he could have 10 things, but now he's concentrating on like six and he's doing it well. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's, it's a fine line. And, and if you look at, say, Chris Boucher as an example, kind of broke out last year. We've all talked about this. And I, my interpretation of his early season struggles were I spent all summer working on these, you know, adding these new tools to my game and I want to start using them. And, and they just weren't ready for prime time. And, and once he kind of acknowledged that and read that to himself and, again, narrowed his menu, as you point out, he's become a really good NBA rotation player. Right, like I mean, if he ever only ever does this for the next four or five years of his career, he's going to have a nice career. He's going to get paid, and he'll be a valuable part of of any team almost. Um, the difference, you know, but Chris is twenty nine, so you know it's kind of he's at a situation where he really needs to hone in on what he does best and what he can get paid for. The challenge with Precious is he's only twenty two, and he just barely turned twenty two, I think. Um, and so you want to, as a player, I think you want to grow and encourage and, and, and really reach for ceilings. And as an organization, you want that too. But it's kind of finding a way to make yourself valuable and trustworthy on the floor. Um, you know, and right now for Precious Achua, what he might be in five years or the skills he could develop probably aren't, aren't well, definitely aren't at, at the level that, that the Raptors need. Uh, for him to just be a useful part of a second unit or, or a spot starter or whatever he ends up being. So that's a, that's a tough thing, I think, to toggle back and forth with. Did we lose Grange there? Lose I think we Grange. might have. We'll get him he back into the toggling. mix in a second here. He was just toggling. I was toggling back and forth, and he must have maybe something. <laughs> somebody hit the toggle switch on him. E, I don't know. Hey, usually it's a gremlin for me or you, not on our guests. You know, that would never happen, of course, with a Roger cell phone. So we'll get him back into the mix uh, in a couple of moments uh, as we'll have a few minutes left with Michael. 7.30 tip-off, Raptors and Pistons down at Scotiabank Arena. One of the things I wanted to, to ask Michael, and, and, and I'll throw it to him if he kind of joins uh, midstream here in the midst of this question, um, but for now, I'll kind of uh, present it to you as well, Jonesy, is I wonder what Nick Nurse ultimately does over these last six weeks of the season. There hasn't been a ton of practice time this year for any team. I mean, that's kind of the case in pro sports these days in general. There's not a lot of practice time. And then you factor in COVID and health and safety protocols and how many bodies are available and is it, smart, is it even smart to get together and, and gather and whatnot and all that stuff, everything that teams and franchises have had to navigate. But 
certainly this year's Raptors and last year's, but this year's Raptors is different than a couple of years ago. Veteran-laden team where they didn't really practice a whole lot, almost intentionally. Hey, as you've said before, Jonesy, as long as you're ready by tip, give me all you got, you can have that day off the next day. And, and, and make sure that your, your body's right, your mind is right, everything else. Different when it's a young team. But when you look at this schedule right now, four games in five nights, five games in seven nights, 16 games in the month of March alone. I mean, that's even, even that's my, my bad math tells me that's more than one every other day by a hair. It's a real grind. And, Michael, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the schedule and what Nick might ultimately do with trying to rest guys, especially when you factor in these injuries, and perhaps not practice a ton. But how do you do that fine line between not practicing a whole lot but then maybe making sure that your young players are still as ready as they need to be? Well, I think they, what they've done, you know, over – they've got a lot of experience at this, first of all, um, going back, you know, a bunch of years. But I think I think what they do really well is, I think team-wide, they, they really just end up relying more on walkthroughs and film. Just keeps it easier on the guys. And, that, and then, you know, guys who aren't playing as much or some of their younger players, they're almost like on a separate – a completely separate program where, you know, they'll come in and do the extra shooting at night or they'll stay back and work on – uh, kind of situational stuff with coaches and things like that. So they're getting their reps um, at the same time as, you know, you're not wearing out a Fred Van Vliet, you're not wearing out a Pascal Siakam. Um, I think that's kind of, you know, that's it's a challenge. And logistically, it's not easy with the, the way this month has been packed in. But, you know, it's not, it's not like they haven't had to do it before. Uh, Michael, I, I know we're, we're talking Raptors here, but uh, shake down the East for me. Uh, we, if everybody keeps talking about Brooklyn and when they get healthy, their lineup on paper and how good it looks, well, they're still sitting in eighth right now. Um, Philadelphia suddenly looks good. Eric and I were talking about how you know Miami's up there. Chicago still probably has some questions around playoff success with experience. And then there's the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks just kind of hovering and hanging out there. Uh, shake down the East for me, and what what you think uh, what you think might be coming down the pipe? Yeah, I mean it's um, it's really tight. A lot of good teams. Like even if you go at the bottom, like Charlotte and Atlanta, are starting to play better and better. Um, you know, Boston I think is emerges as a real wild card. Just as you know, I think you know they're starting lineup right now statistically. I think the best in the game, and, and defensively they're they're at or very near the top of the of the league. So that's very concerning, I think, for the entire East. But, um, you know, you didn't mention Philadelphia. <laughs> All of a sudden, with Harden in there, like, what has it been, three or four games now, they're a juggernaut, right? Like, statistically, at least. So, um, you know, if you're asking me to predict who's going to emerge from the East right now, I mean, I would probably get a bet against Brooklyn, um, just because they do have, you know, their margin of error is really small if they can't get out of the play-in. And, you know, they're just not going to have that much runway with, uh, you know, whoever of their three-and-a-half stars. I'm, I guess Joe Harris is not a star, but he's maybe the best shooter in the world. So you got to give him some kind of designation. Like, we don't know how to, when and they're going to have those guys available. Um, so if I had to handicap, I mean, I'm kind of been tempted to go with Miami all year. But, you know, then again, like, they haven't been – we haven't seen their full lineup – with a lot of runway either. So there's just a ton of question marks uh, top to bottom, really. Michael, appreciate the time. As always, we'll see you down at the gym tonight getting set for the Pistons and Raptors. All the best. Thanks, guys. Okay, Michael.
There is Michael Grange from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Um, we always appreciate his time. Raptors Pistons, 7.30 tonight down at Scotia Bank Arena. First night of the back-to-back. And, and Jones, I'm going to repeat it just for the sake of repeating it. Four games in five nights, uh, looking bigger picture, five games in seven nights, 16 games in the month of March. And after tonight and tomorrow, the road trip that comes up starts on Sunday in Cleveland, then goes to San Antonio, then heads west to California and elsewhere. Uh, another monster road trip for the Raptors. So it's uh, it's going to be a bear. It's going to be an absolute bear. But I know you noted it a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the Raptors. Um, bad schedule for them this year, perhaps, but they've had some really good ones in the past. So it all kind of evens out in the water, I suppose. Well, you would hope so. Um, and if you're the Raptors, uh, you know, take care of this stuff at home and and you know, tack, tack wins on at home, get used to playing at home in front of the crowd. Uh, after a slow start at home, either, you know, they're, they're four games over 500 at home, which is good. I mean, it's not 21 and 7 like Miami or, you know, 10 games over 22 and 12 like Milwaukee. But, you know, you, you, you knock a couple more off here and you get to 19 and 13 at home. That's pretty good. Subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review, download and share as well. Back with more in a moment. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Joining us on the line right now, veteran NBA, uh, Phoenix Suns television analyst and uh, radio host as well of NBA Today on NBA Radio, Series XM, Eddie Johnson joining us. Eddie, thanks for the time as always. My pleasure, guys. What's going on, EJ? What's going on? Man, I'm just, you know, just hanging, man. I'm by fact, I'm on my way, actually, to give a speech to... I think where we all would like to be uh, as we get older, right? Uh, still here, enjoying life. Uh, Sun City, you all familiar with Sun City, Arizona? Mm-hmm. It's a retirement. It's a, it's it's a, retirement a big retirement community. home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, retirement community, and uh, for about eight hundred of them, they're great Suns fans, and so I'm going to go out and give them a little EJ this morning. All right. All right. Well, give us some first, and and I wanted to ask you about <laughs> last last night's win. And I know you're getting some golf in there at Sun City, even if you're hitting some balls. I know that. That's what retirement is when it comes. Um, give give us a give us a, a window into last night. No Chris Paul, no Devin Booker, and still a thirty point win. Um, how good is this team, Eddie? They're excellent, man. Uh, they're the best team in the league. They're the deepest team in the league. I've been saying that over the last few months. I know sometimes it's hard for people to grasp it. Uh, they, they, I guess they think, you know, last year it was, was a blip, uh, but it wasn't. I mean, this team is really built to win a title, but that's going to be difficult. We all know that. Uh, it's nothing easy at all. Uh, but they just know how to win, man, and they hate to lose. You know, they just hate to lose. And so, yeah, this is like the third time I think they've lost two games in a row coming into the game last night. And they just went back to execution, and uh, they just got it done. 32 assists on 32, 32, 36, matter of fact, I'm saying 36 baskets on 32 assists. So it just goes to show you, yes, Chris Paul, Devin Booker need it, 
But, man, when these kids decide to play, we're deep enough to get it done. Eddie, one of the things we've talked about in Toronto going back to 2019 in the championship is, is and Jonesy, I'll, I guess I'll steal your line a little bit, but the residue of winning. How much is that a factor right now when you talk about so many of these young players and core guys and the depth of the roster just being around winning and being around a part of a deep run last year and what they've done this year and just the impact that that experience brings? A ton. It brings a ton of experience uh, because you know you, you get a you get a taste of everything. You get a taste of what expectation. You get a taste of being a, understanding scouting reports, uh, competition. Uh, all those things come into play, and and so they're built for it. Like nothing is too big for them. That's why their road record is is unbelievable, and they just go for it, man. I mean, it's like. They feel like every every night they step on the floor, they're going to win. And they can be down 12 points going into the fourth quarter. It mean, it makes no difference to them. Uh, a month and a half ago, uh, they were down 12 going into the fourth quarter against the Mavericks, and they walked them down and they beat them. I mean, this is the kind of team that you're dealing with here. They don't have any weaknesses at any position. And they've gotten a little deeper with the addition of Torrey Craig and Aaron Holiday. Um. Eddie, you know, you talk about the role guys, and they're so important. And that, that was, well, when I think about it, that was Eddie Johnson when he was in the league. You, you, you had to learn, accept, and be great in your role to help the team function. How are role players changing without Chris Paul and Devin Booker? You talked about the young guys. And, and by the way, Eddie, you guys got a young guy out there, an Ishmael Wainwright, who played summer league with the Raptors, and he looks... I mean, the kid's like a linebacker that can play basketball. I love that kid. Yeah, I mean, look, he's another guy that gives you a physical presence if you need it. He can defend, and he can knock down shots. And so when our when our roster gets thin, uh, they Monty has thrown him in there, and he's produced. And so he earned his way into the, on this team. I mean, they had some guys that were probably ranked a little bit ahead of him, and yet he found a way to really convince uh, Monty and everybody else uh, that he was the guy for this basketball club. And, and that's exactly what's happened. And, and that's just the beauty of our team. I think if you come to this team, you're going to get better because of one, the coaching staff, and then the players, and Devin Booker and obviously Chris Paul. And so I think that's the key right there for anyone that comes to our team. They're going to step up. And we've seen it before. We saw it with you all in Toronto. You make an addition and that guy plays well. Uh, in Golden State. You make an addition and they play well. So it's no different than what the past champions have had and we're trying to get there. Speaking with Eddie Johnson, Eddie, I don't know if it's a fair comparison or or example or not, but I guess the flip side of this is, to some degree, what's happened with Brooklyn. Now, you know, they're obviously relying a lot on, on Kevin Durant and previously James Harden, Kyrie Irving. That They've all had separate issues with KD being sidelined, finally making his return tonight. Kyrie in and out and mostly out because of the COVID restrictions and protocols in, in Brooklyn, let alone in other stops on the road and whatnot. And then, of course, Harden uh, and ultimately being dealt away and still not having Ben Simmons. But there's still a lot of talent, a lot of veteran talent on that team, but yet They've been free-falling, and now they're down in the eighth seed, and they're well behind the Raptors right now in that eighth seed in the East. So why hasn't it clicked for them, and can it click now? Do they have enough time, enough runway to get it all together over these last six weeks? 
It's an AAU team. AAU teams don't win. Hmm. I mean, how do you win? Like, the NBA is a marathon. And you get better as the year goes along. You gain experience. You understand each other. You get to know each other. And then in the toughest moments, you're able to what? Execute and win. When you're not familiar with one another, you're going to struggle. We've seen it. That's why James Harden's in Philadelphia right now. Why? Well, because he didn't want to play with part-timer. You know, part-timer decided that, you know, he didn't want to, you know, obviously, you know, do what everyone else did. You know, he didn't want to do what LaMarcus Aldridge did. And LaMarcus Aldridge has heart problems. And he got vaccinated. So he decided that he didn't want to do that. And look, that's on him. I'm not going to, you know, begrudge him for doing it. You take care of your own body. You make your own decisions. But I remember when a coach always told me, you're part of a team. And you got to jump in the foxhole. And when you jump in the foxhole, you can't worry about you. You got to worry about we. And that's always been my mentality. And so dealing with the Kyrie situation, obviously KD goes down and gets injured. And they don't really have, what, 16 games together when James Harden was there. How do you expect them to win? They're not going to win. And and I think it's going to be the same thing here. It's just too much dysfunction right now within their hierarchy for them to have success. And so I'm, I'm not shocked by their struggles. They're not winning the title. I, I, I'm telling you right now, they're not. I mean, you all up in Toronto got a better chance than them. That's just the way I look uh-huh. at it because I grew up with teams. And I'm going to stick with teams. Like, organizations win championships from top to bottom. I go against Michael Jordan and that mindset he used to have with Jerry Krause, but I, I agree with Jerry Krause. You know, top to bottom wins championships, and we've seen that. Eddie, how – I mean, you, you say they're the best team. Um, how much are you guys looking across the East at a team like Milwaukee? They're, they're not really – showing out right now they're in the middle of the pack in terms of you know the upper level playoff teams but they know they 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 seem like they they know they're a team that can get it done when they need to regardless of where they played because of what happened last year how much are the suns keeping an eye on well milwaukee and and maybe the rest of the east for that matter i'm gonna give you a moneyism he never looks ahead he only looks at what's right in front of him and i think that's been their motto uh, for the last two years is that they know whoever they face is going to be a damn good team. Well, by the way, in order to get out of the West, you're going to have to go through uh, Golden State if they get healthy, because uh, right now they're not Golden State. Uh, you're going to have to get through, obviously, Memphis, who's a, a young team that's not afraid of anyone. Uh, a healthy Utah team is tough uh, to beat. And so, you know, in Denver looks like they're starting to get healthy with Jamal Murray and, and Michael Porter Jr. So, you know, for me, I'm, I'm more of the mindset, man, that uh, this is going to be tough. Uh, and there's no guarantee here at all. Uh, and, you know, I would look at Milwaukee as a team to beat in the East, though. I, I really would. It, it, look, they, they came back and they, they won one against Miami last night, which has to hurt Miami because Miami had that game won. But my uh, Milwaukee in a playoff setting and Giannis doing what Giannis does, to me, they're still the team to beat. Eddie, I- I'm keeping an eye on the clock for you because they're paying you and we're not. So we'll let you go. <laughs> and we appreciate your time as always. And uh, enjoy the talk today. And we'll uh, look forward to having you back on the show soon. Thanks, guys. And always appreciate talking to you all. And uh, look, your Raptors, man, they're, they're going to be a problem, man. And so uh, – 
It's always good. Nick Nurse, to me, is the best coach right now in the league. Uh, he's proven it. And uh, so uh, that's one team I wouldn't want to see either, to tell you the truth. Okay, thank you. All right, Eddie. Thanks, EJ. Appreciate the time. There is Eddie Johnson, former NBA or Suns television analyst and radio host on uh, Sirius XM NBA Radio as well. And, and, and Jonesy, he gave us a couple of nuggets right there. I mean, one right at the very end, uh, you know, kind of verifying, backing what we've talked about and, and some others have as well. I don't want to say we're alone on an island here, but how the Raptors are going to be a problem. They're going to be a tough out for a lot of teams. But how about Eddie saying that he thinks Toronto's got a better chance than Brooklyn at winning the title? Well, and just flat out saying Brooklyn, Brooklyn is not winning it. Just flat out saying that, like they're not winning it. And I know they're the favorite in Vegas and everybody likes them, E, but gosh, there's still there's still a lot of work to do in very little time. The, 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 the caveat is they have Kevin Durant and nobody else does. And that could take them a long way and they could overcome a lot of stuff because of him. But, you know... What happens when they get into a series with Giannis and that team is well-oiled and has played together if they play them again? Or they get Philadelphia and Ben Simmons has to go back to Philly and, you know, are they going to rattle his cage enough that it throws him off? There's so many unknowns with Brooklyn right now that it's, it's – I know Vegas likes them, but it's, it's tough to put all that money on them. So I, I want to double check something. I'm doing it in in real time right now, because and I'm and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to 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 I don't know disagree with you or or or, or call you out or anything, Jonesy. I want to know because you've said it, and I know it was the case, but I want to know if like to the second it's still Brooklyn being number one in terms of the odds. So I'm I'm looking right now just on on one website in in general because this this is a site I used a, a few weeks ago when I was making all those goofy Super Bowl bets when I told you I made like thirty seven one dollar bets on a whole bunch of props on the Super Bowl. So I the the site I went on I don't even know I think I think they might be a, a I don't know about a partner but I think they might advertise. Don't say from it time to time. Don't say it. Don't I think they it. do, don't they? Sports interaction. I, th- I I I think they. Oh I yeah think, yeah uh, yeah. Yeah, sports interaction. I think they're, yeah, they're, yeah. I, I've I've listened to Russick and uh, and yeah. uh, rap on Sundays when I'm when they're steering me wrong on the NFL bets all the time. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Yeah, yeah. So you can okay. You so can that, so I'm good. Out. So yeah, a little shout out for Sports Interaction then. So as of right now, at least for them, and again, this isn't necessarily Vegas, but I would assume that if if Sports Interaction is saying this, then other sites. And casinos and outlets and whatnot are, are probably saying the same. The Phoenix Suns are currently listed as the number one uh, team best odds for the NBA title. If you if you bet on them right now, five point one seven. That's your that's your return. So you bet a buck, wow. you're gonna get back you know five seventeen. Number two, Golden State five twenty five. Number three, Brooklyn six seventy three. So they're still considered the number one team in the East. With Milwaukee at four, Philadelphia at five, Miami at six, Utah seven, Boston eight, the Grizzlies nine, the Bulls ten in terms of the odds. If you want to put down any money on the Lakers, they are 13th at 39.62. So you bet a buck, you're going to win 39. The Raptors... 15th at 71.5. Wow. Cavaliers just ahead of the Raptors in 14th. 
but the odds much better, still not great, but 51.0. So even if you are a Cavs fan and saying, Eric, stop ripping on my Cavaliers, they're 51 to 1 odds to win the title. But to mm. your point, Jonesy, Brooklyn is no longer number one, but they are the number one team in the East. They're number three overall, but number one as far as Eastern Conference teams. Interesting. Interesting. And, you know, like we always say, um, those people that make the odds, there's all kinds of uh, – what, what, what word am I looking for? There's all kinds of formulae and algorithms and all that stuff. And I look at some of them and go, no chance, no chance. And then what do you know? It's right in the wheelhouse where they said. I, I'll never forget a few years ago at Summer League, I uh, walk into a casino and the odds, the over-under for teams, I always like to look at that because that gives you an idea of what they think the team is going to do. And they, they can't be way off in like 20 of them. Like they might be off in one or two, but they're not going to be off with half the league. And Philadelphia was coming off like a 24 or 25 win season. And they had the Sixers for 49 and a half. And I went, oh, come on, man. That's a misprint. Somebody's smoking something if you really think... Philly went 50 and 32 that year. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, okay, I give up. I know I don't know, and that's why I don't bet and just give you guys my money. So, um, they, so I keep so know. I keep my bets to national anthems and coin flips on the, on oh, the Super yeah. Bowl and nothing else. <laughs> yeah, a, a dollar or a milkshake. I got I got you, man. I got you. Well, I think I, I legit didn't I tell you? I, I I'm I'm sure I did. I can't even remember now. My memory is so bad. It was only a few weeks ago, but. I, I believe it was, I think I said 37 a minute or two ago. I think it was actually 32 bets that I placed on the Super Bowl. 32 $1 bets. I think I won 35 bucks. <laughs> so, so at the end of the day, I walked away 3 bucks extra because I, I won a couple. I lost a whole bunch. Uh, but that just shows my betting prowess, I suppose, when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to dropping what I'm willing to drop, let alone what I'm actually you know, able to, to decipher and, and, and figure out myself in terms of my luck or lack thereof. You know what? On, on that topic, though, we didn't really follow up on this a whole lot. Uh, because, again, perhaps we didn't have a ton of time to do so. But when we were talking to Jeff Blair the other day, he dropped a little eh, idea, a little thought, a little bomb on us that I was kind of looking sideways alone in the room, other than my dog sometimes hanging out. I I, kind of started scratching my head going, my initial reaction is, there's no chance. Like, no, that wouldn't happen. And then the more I thought about it and the way that we're going and the path that we've been going down – JB saying that he's heard from folks that believe that we are not far away from potentially having the three-person booth in pro sports with the third not necessarily being a, uh, the, the man or the woman that's calling the play-by-play or the color analyst, but a gambling analyst, a, a sports yeah. prognosticator. A, 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 you know, and, and I don't know if it actually would be a three-man or a three-person booth, Jonesy, but I could see a three-person broadcast unit much like they they drop in the official uh expert the rules expert something like that where you go to this this gambling this prognosticator expert analysis analyst at some point once twice five times in a game but i don't know that you'd have that person sitting there the entire time but i could see it yeah oh yeah i definitely i i could definitely see that where they um you know, especially if it's it becomes a 
if it comes it becomes a demand by people that are watching the game and and want to win money i think i'm the only person in the world that does not play fantasy football but you watch uh the nfl shows on sundays and everybody's talking about uh how many points this guy could be or take this guy he's going to be in the lineup i mean i can't tell our listeners how many sundays that we've done raptor games that halftime comes and you open up your computer like you know you you've just about to cash in a, a billion dollar ticket or something and you look and i hear i see hand clapping and then i hear curse words and i'm like what's happening you're like <laughs> he's only got one point like what this like he was look and look at the other team this guy's killing me i sat this guy on my bench and i'm like e wait it's it's fantasy football but you're the general manager you're in charge you're looking to make money and i can see where that would happen uh you know you're watching the you know tonight you're watching toronto detroit and you happen to be in in boston cuz your game's over and the, gam- the the gambling expert in the booth goes hey it's the end of the third quarter and toronto is and i know this for a fact cuz i looked at it uh toronto's down and they've only won 6 times this year coming from behind when down after 3 quarters. And you look and you go, "Oh, like they're 6 and 22 or whatever they might be. I know they only have 6 wins." And you look at the live odds and you go, "You know what? I'll take Detroit." Why? Cuz a gambling expert gave you a tidbit. Maybe you were too lazy to pick up the notes and read it yourself or do your own research, but somebody's given you something, you're like, "Huh, let's try it." And and I could see where that would be part of a broadcasty. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um I I honestly don't even know if I've ever asked you this question. All this chatter over the last how many years? Decade probably. At least 5 years, but probably longer. You 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 razz me, rightfully so, on the fantasy football. Have you ever played fantasy football? Have you ever been Never. in a league? All right. Never. That's that's Never. changing next year. That's changing next year, Jonesy. Right away, most leagues, most leagues are no good if you don't have at least 8 guys. They're better if you have 10. They're even better if you have 12. I think above 12 it gets a little tough cuz then it's hard filling out rosters. Then you really got to be like focusing on who you're drafting, let alone potentially trading for and hitting that waiver wire. So 10's the sweet spot, 12's perfect. We've got 4 right now. I I'll even pay for their admission if they don't want to go in, but I'm sure they will. Buffalo and Lance are in. So even a, the Smith and Jones crew alone, we've got a third of what we need. You're in a fantasy football league this year. Cuz I'm telling you, I know you, I want to see it. You're going to get so maniacal and get so locked no. into this. You'll get hooked. Yeah. Cuz the crazy thing is, I'm sure there are exceptions to the rule out there, but I've got to assume and, and Lance and Buffalo, I mean people can tweet us as well. Paul double underscore Jones, Eric double underscore Smith. My gut says most of these leagues, like I've never been in a league that's more than a hundred bucks. Most of them are fifty bucks. So you get five guys, or excuse me, ten guys in a league for fifty bucks, five hundred dollars, and it's not even five hundred dollars normally to the winner. It's like four hundred to the winner, a hundred to second place, or three fifty to the winner, a hundred to second place, and fifty bucks to to the last place dude or something to give him the booby prize or something. So it's crazy to think and like I laugh about it at the end of the day would I take 350 bucks or 500 bucks absolutely 
but it's not like make or break money necessarily. And at the end of the day, too, you lost 50 bucks maybe, but it's the pride <laughs> over the course of the season yes. of what your record is, what your standings are, what your what your team's doing going into the playoffs. And it's, it's less about the cash and more about – Again, the pride and the trash talking and just the the experience, and that's where I think that that's what drives it. That's why you could lay down two bucks or two hundred bucks. You're still wanting that win, and you're still pissed when you don't get that 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 you know that parlay or whatever. You're still angry no matter how much you laid down. Absolutely, absolutely. And I've watched I've watched you uh, go through that and do that where you're where you're uh, you're all over it. I mean. It's pride to win your $1 bet. It's pride. Like, I've, I, hey, man, I figured this out. It's only a dollar, but I won the thing. So um, I, I can't see myself week to week, though, E, waking up going, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll sit this guy. I'll sit. Uh, no, no, you're going to get uh, into you it. Know? No. I, yeah, come I on. Know. You got it. One year, Jonesy. Just like just like being a kid, you know, you can't t- tell. Don't tell me you don't like the beans. You got to try them, and then you can tell me after. You might love the beans, Jonesy. You might love fantasy football. We get you into a league for one year, you try it out, and then you go, nope, that wasn't for me. Because the good thing with football is now it's changed a little bit. Now that you've got a Thursday nighter and the Sunday afternoon and the Sunday night, it's changed a little bit. But it's not the commitment that baseball is daily, or even basketball or or hockey. When you're talking about those fantasy sports, when you may or may not have to check in daily or or, or weekly, setting a monster lineup. One day a week, boom, set your lineup. You're good to go. Jonesy, come on, you're in. You're in fantasy football, the Smith and Jones League. As long as the music playing in the background can be the name of my team, like I don't have a name, you have to hit the button to hear <laughs> to hear that. Who are you playing? Oh, that's who I'm, oh, I'm playing Jonesy this week. That's that's what I want. All right. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm already juiced up now for the NFL season next year. Subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate, and review, download, and share as well. We'll be back to wrap up the week tomorrow on our final edition of the week, Smith & Jones, right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Have a good one.